Welcome to Pitch Intense, the Cloud Entertainment Movie Pitching Podcast. And today we are tackling the problem of pitching a PlayStation Productions movie. God oh, damn it, I thought I was going to so keep that on a roll. to alliteration. Well, I couldn't it. say picture twice. Um, I can't say picture twice. Uh, Panavision. I don't yes. know. <laughs> Panacotta. <laughs> Pictures. No. Yeah, exactly. See? Okay. I came to the end of that PE stuff. Anyway, uh, not long ago, uh, sort of the top end of this year, I think. It was sort of February time-ish, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. Something like that. Uh, Sony came out and said, we founded PlayStation Productions. We're going to be making movies based upon all of our PlayStation-owned franchises. Uh, the rumour mill started churning, and eventually they did have to come out and say, yes, the first one's going to be Uncharted. Yep. It's going to be focusing on the early days of Nathan Drake, and it's going to be starring Tom Holland. Okay, cool. But there's a lot of other franchises they could work with there, and that's what we're going to be exploring today. I'm always Mike. And I'm always Darren. So, uh, you went first last time. I did, in a biopic one. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus uh, the Mad Lad. Mad Jack. Yeah. Mad Jack, that's the one. Uh, I'm not, I don't even know who won that one. That was such a close I, one. I liked both of them a lot. Yours yeah. was fucking... Oh, it's Your so good. Your framing device was better, whereas I think my story was like... You had a lot... Yeah. There was a lot going on. A lot going, going on. on. It was wonderful. It's fucking great. Uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, you can go and find it on Spotify, on SoundCloud, or where you get your RSS feeds. Apple Podcasts, if people give a shit about that. Nice pitch up front there, Michael. Well yeah, man. Right, so, I'm going to go first this time. And of course, I always start with a bit of preamble. Yes, you do. <laughs> Is my thing. We have to expand the restraints. We were yeah. So, I limited myself to properties wholly owned by Sony. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be a first-party developed thing. They can still be developed by a second party, but they can't have appeared on other platforms. They have to have always appeared on Sony platforms, uh, and they can't be part of any other specific deals. It can't be like a third-party deal made exclusively for Sony. No. It has to be Sony owns that fucking IP. Yeah. So, I struggled with this one. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I okay. really struggled. I had one good idea... Mm-hmm. And I abandoned it, and I went looking, and I, I, I like we were talking about this before we start the show. I looked at Horizon Zero Dawn, I went, "That's great," but I think it's better as a game. Yeah. I went on to look at Infamous, and I really went down that rabbit hole for a little bit, and I was like, "You know what? It's better as a game." So yep. I left that one alone. So I started thinking about what sort of games would be good if the game was bad. Like, what games would be good as movies if okay. the game wasn't great? Gotcha. Which is when I swiftly went down the 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 the, uh, the rabbit hole. Yeah, and came back with my first idea. Okay. So <laughs> because those those games aren't great, they've not aged well. No, but I'm bringing them back. And you know what you do when you run out of ideas, Darren? Come on, you gimmick the fuck out of it. Yeah, hold on to your hats, Darren, because I'm pitching the Parappa the Rapper movie. Uh, you told me about this a few months ago. Yeah, and I was like, you, you think the oh. the smidge I gave you about that movie yeah. was th- that's just the tip of the oh, iceberg. Oh, here we go. Right then, so I've even gone so far as I know who I want to direct it, write it, do the music, and produce it. Jesus Christ! Uh, <laughs> Full disclosure: never played Parappa the Rapper. Have you not? <laughs> no, I have not. It was a PS One game. Um, it was one of the first like proper full up rhythm games. Yeah. The problem with Parappa the Rapper. Um, as I came in to start writing the script for this, is logos included, credits included. If you're good at that game, it's half an hour. So uh-huh. I've had to embellish a little bit in this. Right. I've had to add a B plot, and I'll be honest with you, I finished 
finished, quotation marks, yeah. finished this about 10 minutes before I walked out the house today. Lovely. So okay. It might not be the best baked idea I've ever had, but I'm, I'm hoping to get through on charm and gimmick alone. Cool. <laughs> Directed by F. Gary Gray, who you might know as the director of Straight Outta Compton, and Rich, <laughs> and, uh, and Rich Moore, the director of Wreck-It Ralph, comes a Sony Animations produced uh, picture, which is the team behind Spider-Verse, uh, written by Scott Silver, the writer of Eight Mile, with music by <laughs> with Lud- music by Ludwig Göransson, who you will know as uh, the producer for a bunch of different rap acts, including the guy I've got playing Parappa the rapper, Donald Fucking Glover. Okay, that's the first good decision you've made there. <laughs> you can't have the guy who wrote Eight Mile too fucking Parappa the rapper. Yes, you can. You can't. Oh God. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, right. <laughs> I'll, I'll reveal the cast as we go. Then again, yeah, I'm putting too much up front if I reveal all my cast now, so we'll reveal them as we go you on through. mad bastard. <laughs> so, style-wise, I kind of want to keep the whole, like, 3D but flat aesthetic that yep. the games have going on. Um, but And I will be showing pictures of the characters to give you an idea of what they would look Thank like. Thank you. Uh, but what I've had to do is I've had to think about how you could modernise it. Because those designs are basic as fuck and have not held up. So, where possible, Darren, I'll be showing you versions that actually include fan art. Which unfortunately means I've seen far more furry stuff than I intended to see. Oh, I imagine that was not a fun time on DeviantArt. No. Not that there's much fun to have on DeviantArt sometimes, but this is particularly bad. Unless you're a proper wrongan. Unless you really like God of War. Oh boy, you'll find some stuff then. (laughs) She doesn't even have feet and somehow that's a fetish. Anyway, so we open on the urban sprawl. Of, I shit you not, Parappa Town. Okay. That's the setting of Parappa the Rapper. It's apparently named after somebody else who's called Parappa because that's a common name in this world, uh, which is based in Rodney State. Uh, I kind of want to have, like, a little bit of exploring how the city is so focused on music and more specifically how the more urban areas are focused on rap-heavy lifestyles. So it's an exploration of different kinds of rap styles. So, you know, you've got your technical raps, Fast raps, uh, lyrical flows. You've got a bit of trap in there as well. Just like going door to door and seeing how these neighbourhoods use rap to communicate. God, you sound white. Oh, man. You don't even know what I'm about. <laughs> um, we eventually get to sort of a more... Sub- now, it wasn't really... like It was quite idyllic in the original game. It was all very cartoony and things. I, I kind of like want to bring a little bit more of a grind to it. Uh-huh. Basically, I basically just wanted to make it look like uh, Spider-Verse. Okay. Because that did a really good job of giving that world character. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we go to uh, a, ga- a garage where uh, Parappa played by Donald Clover and PJ Berry, his best mate, uh, who I've got played by a rapper called Anderson Pack. You might not know him. Mm-hmm. He's... Uh, been a supporting artist for a lot of people though he's really going big on the old solo stuff uh, just to give you an idea that's the redesign for Parappa that I really like okay so we're going with that PJ Berry was literally just a bear that eats donuts in the game okay that's what I want him to look like this time okay I'm thinking instead of it being like a bumbling friend yeah. he's more of a, a background producer he's cool. like he's the guy who makes the beats the Parappa then Wraps over. Wraps over. Okay. This is where we introduce the B-plot before we get to the main plot. Uh, So, Parappa and PJ are trying to record a mixtape in the garage, and they're sort of riffing on the popular song from the game, I Gotta Believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not fully there yet. They're just, they're putting beats together, they're testing out lyrics. You know, Parappa's still tripping up over his words. He's not the best rapper, but he's got a lot of heart. 
Um, they're hoping to put together a great rap song to put into a competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, the winner of that competition gets the chance to rap, excuse me, on stage live with the most famous rapper of this world, MC King Kong Mushi. Actual character from the game who will be played later on by Andre 3000. Okay, yeah. From Outcast. Nice. Um, you have my attention. Yeah. MC King Kong Mushi is kind of like this weird sort of Rasta spider beetle thing. Yeah. Um, I couldn't really find a good redesign for this, so I just used someone who did a drawing of the original. That's fine. It, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, so they send a file off to join in the competition. As they do that, they realise, oh, we're late. They've planned to go and meet up with their friends, and off they go. Uh, the two meet up with uh, three characters who are formed a little clique they got going on. Sunny Funny, who is a flower. Yeah. Don't ask. Okay. Katie Cat, I'm sure you can figure out what's going on there. Will the Beast, yep. <laughs> okay. And Lammy, who is a sheep. Ah! Now, here are the designs for this. For Sunny Funny, uh, because she does have some songs later on in the production... I have gone with Ariana Grande. Okay. Playing now, you'll be glad you're looking at this version and not the original PS One because it's a polygonal nightmare. Um, this one looks better because she's actually got a costume and legs. Yeah. So that's always nice. Yeah. Always for Katie fun. Cat, I have gone with Taylor Momsen from the Pretty Reckless. Oof. Again, okay. found of fan redesign. I'll put a link up for an Imjet album for this when the episode Oof. goes live. Um, she's more of a rock chick, but you know, Oof. they're all supposed to be representing different. Musical styles as well. So Parappa's your rap guy. Yeah. Ariana's your pop girl. Here we've got the rock chick. Yeah, okay. Katie Cat is in a band called Milk Can. Don't ask, it's from the games. All right. With Lammy, who I've got being played by Zoe Kravitz. Okay. So there you go. That one did not know she had dreadlock. Um, she's had different, all different styles. I chose that one because I think that's the style she had when she was in Sucker Punch, which is the last thing I think I've seen her in. Yeah, okay. But she's good. I want to bring her back. They're all meeting up at the cinema to go and watch the new Jet Baby movie. Now, this is where the game opens. They ju- right. They're coming at the Jet Baby movie. Parappa spends most of the movie looking at Sonny with puppy dog eyes, literally because he's a dog. Uh, he's obviously what? completely besotted with her. Uh-huh. Uh, PJ is just completely... He's, he's a big lad. He's chomping down on his popcorn. And he's, like, distracting Parappa, like, asking questions about the movie. Doesn't quite understand... Where it sits, because in this universe, uh, the Jet Baby universe of movies is the hot thing. Okay. We're doing a comparison between that and the MCU, basically. Um, so PJ's like, I don't understand these plot holes. Parappa's like, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to ogle Sonny, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Afterwards, the gang, the gang head down to their local Fat Burger, spelled P-H-A-T. Uh, of course it is. Uh, to grab food and complain about how the Jet Baby movie doesn't compare with others in the Jet Baby universe. As they sit down at the table... And this happens in the game. Uh, a couple of bullies come in and start to accost them. The main bully guy who I haven't cast, because it's bit part, get whoever you want, is kind of knocking on to Sonny, who is showing no interest in them, is, can easily handle herself. Yeah. But Parappa tries to stand up for her, which results in his drink getting poured over his head and his food thrown on the floor. Right. Just then, now... The, the ages are ambiguous in this, but they're actually old enough to drive cars. So I'm kind of thinking of them as kind of like... Teens. College, late teens. Yeah, late teens, college age. Okay. Uh, so their classmate, Joe Chin, who I have got, played by Sweet Channy T. Oh, Sweet Channy T. you got to yeah. have a bit of Channing Tatum. Okay. He can play like the jock guy. Yep. He jumps in and saves them. Now, Joe Chin's deal in the game is that he, he just... has a chin? 
You'd think, wouldn't oh, you? Right. It's actually because he talks a lot. Oh, Don't okay. know. He talks a lot and he's rich. Those are his two things. Is it to play on Chinwag because he's a dog who talks a lot? Maybe. Oh, he's okay. also a dog, so it's he's Parappa's rival. Right. Uh, Joe Chin turns up to save them, uh, but he ends up talking them down for so long that everybody just gets bored and leaves. Right. Apart from the bullies who are like... like and you can see them like starting to nod off as it goes on. Uh-huh. Uh, Parappa starts to wonder how he can compare to Joe Chin, who clearly there's something going on between him and Sonny. It's not entirely clear if it's been reciprocated, but Parappa feels quite insecure, inferior, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't really believe in himself, which is the the overlying story that we're going forward with. Parappa begins to picture himself being tough enough to stand up to the bullies, but he doesn't really feel like there's a way that he can do this. Yeah. At the same time, Parappa and PJ get an email. They've made it to the heat for this contest that they've entered. And Parappa's already low in confidence and doesn't believe in himself. But after a stern talking from to from PJ, he says, you need to go and toughen up. There's a dojo in town. Yeah. Why don't you go and uh, learn a bit of self-defense? You might give yourself a bit more confidence on stage. Mm-hmm. This is where we rip directly from the game. The first level of the game, if you haven't played it, is rapping with Chop Chop Master Onion. Yep. Um, who, you won't know this person, but I have got played by Joji, who is a... So he's, he's signed to the 88 Rising label. He used to be Filthy Frank on YouTube, if you remember that. Nope. You don't? Okay, fair enough. Um, J- Japanese-born... Uh, I think he's Japanese-American. Okay. He lives in New York. Um, yep. Really, really, really big underground rapper, so it'd be a good okay. name to have on the posters. Um, yeah, Chop Chop Master Onion... <laughs> A literal onion karate man yeah. offers to help him out. Uh, Parappa seems to be struggling with the physically taxing nature of Kung Fu. So Chop Chop really wants to give him a bit of confidence and says, "This is how you can focus on the rhythm is through beats. Try mm. to think of it as a rap. Now, there's a lot of this pitch I'm not going to be able to kind of demonstrate yeah. as it's going to be quite music focused, of which I have none. Okay. Um... You've not played Parappa the Rapper, though. No. So if we take a look now at Parappa the Rapper Stage 1... Yes. Um, we would probably need to update this. And because of the people I've got playing these uh, boss characters, if you will... The original Parappa the Rapper only has five stages. So okay. it essentially has five boss fights. Uh, the first one is Chop Chop Master Onion, And it is set in the dojo. Oh my god, I need to find it. But if you can imagine an updated version of the Kung Fu song, which is here. So he's walking him through these moves. Yeah. I probably shouldn't be playing this because of copyright reasons, but there we go. So it's all about like having technique, having rhythm, having focus. This is the sort of thing that is going to help Parappa not only in building up his own confidence, but also... uh, in the competition. Yeah. So after Parappa has done his lessons with um, Chop Chop Master Onion, we quickly cut back to the Joe Chin still talking to the bullies. Like, as he walks past the uh, the fat burger, he's still there. Right. And these guys are like, oh, come right. on. Okay. Um, so Parappa and PJ go to the first stage of the rap contest and face off against an original character. So I don't have anything for this. I imagined it as another dog, just another breed of dog, called Scrapper the Rapper. Right. Um, the whole shtick is that I'm basically riffing off uh, Spider-Man 1, 
where Parappa doesn't have an MC name. Right, okay. Scrapper the Rapper comes on stage. He's being voiced by George Watsky. Yeah. Another, uh, yeah, another yeah, internet yeah, yeah. rapper. He's been in uh, ERB. Yes, I know those. Um, and the MC there is like, you didn't come with an MC name. All right, Parappa the Rapper then. So that's how he gets that name. Gotcha. Um, PJ provides the beats behind them, and they... Now, Scrapper's uh, what's known as a lyrical flexor, so fast rap. Right, okay. How many words can you fit into these beats? Yeah. It's that kind of thing. Um, the two battle and Parappa is eventually able to outperform them with precise strikes, essentially. If you can imagine it kind of like uh, the Scott Pilgrim versus the World, but you know when they're... Yes, the bass battle. Yes, the bass battle. Right. That. It's exactly like that, but with raps. Again, I don't have anything to show you. No, I get it. You see where I'm getting. Scrapper loses. He's out of the contest. Parappa the Rapper is now a favourite to win. Okay. Their next opponent is going to be... I'm not proud of this name. Uh, it's a riff on Tech Nine. I called him Tech Support. <laughs> He's been played by Lil Dicky. Um, okay. He'll be coming up later on. The next day, all the friends. So you got Parappa, PJ, Sonny, Katie, and Lammy. Uh, they've gone back and to Fatberg, and they're like, "Okay, it's a nice day. Let's you know, let's go and do something." They suggest going to the beach, but none of them can drive. That's when Joe Chin makes his big reappearance with a fuck off like. Big car. Big car. Yeah. Um, Sonny and Katie get a ride up front. However, Parappa, PJ and Lammy are left to sit in the back. Lammy's not very talkative. The, the, right. the, her whole shtick is she's a brilliant guitarist, but she doesn't talk that much. Right. Um, whereas Katie's like the front woman of Milk Can. They come into the story later on. Um, so Parappa once again feels like this is not going to be a situation where he's going to be able to impress Sonny. She's all the way up front. I'm yeah. all the way in back. She's sitting with the guy who can drive. Maybe I should learn to drive. Right. This is where stage two of Parappa the Rapper comes in. And Parappa is going to go and get his driving license. Whilst also dealing with the fact that he's got a rap battle coming. Okay, up. right. The second character in Parappa the Rapper is Instructor Mussolini. Okay. <laughs> it's a moose. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to have her played by... I can't believe I'm doing this. Missy Elliott. <laughs> well, I wanted somebody who'd be quite stern and yeah. quite forefront, and she's like a really strong name. The oh, yeah, you ain't, gonna, you ain't going to fight Missy Elliott, Yeah, you? <laughs> you ain't fucking around with Missy Elliott. So Missy Elliott, again, there's a rap involved, teaches him how to drive. Okay. Uh, that night, Parappa is able to work with PJ to put together a technically impressive, because now he learns about order from yeah. the driving stuff, to beat tech support at the competition in a rap there. Again, I have to truncate a lot of this because I don't have any music to oh, do for you. Oh, prepare yourself for that in my pitch too. Fair enough. Uh, so some days after that, Parappa basically commandeers his dad's car. Right. Like, you've only had your license for a day. This is a bad idea. So they go out on a bit of a road trip. Uh, unfortunately, because Parappa is daydreaming about finally being able to impress Sonny, um, they crash the car. <laughs> and ah. this is in the game. Now, I want to... I kind of want to embellish on what's in the game. In the game, they hit a truck... Fly up into space, come back down, and the car's fucked. Right. I want to kind of lean more into the physical comedy side of it and think of it like a pinball sequence. Okay. Literally bouncing off trucks, off signs, off other yeah. cars. Eventually, they might hit a plane, go and hit a satellite into space, back down they come. Okay. And the car crashes into the road like a meteor, and it's completely fucked. It's in pieces. So Parappa now has to earn money at a flea market in order to pay for another car. Right. And Parappa is... He's obviously not impressed Sonny at this point. 
He's not impressed. His friends and his dad is real pissed at him. Mm-hmm. So off he goes to go and earn some money. Doing that, he comes under the employ of Prince Flea Swallow, which is the third boss from the game, mm-hmm. um, who I've got played by Damien Marley. <laughs> He's playing this character. Now, that's actually art from the game. Right, okay. Um, because this song... I didn't play the second one, but all you need to know is that it's a stern moose yelling at you. <laughs> um, this, the, the, the third song is like, it's a bit more chill. It's got a bit more of a... Okay. You can see why I got Damien Marley for this. Yeah. What if Rango was high? What if Rango was high? That's basically what we're going for. Yeah. And, you know, Damien Marley would definitely do a game because he already lent that song to Far Cry 3. He so. did, yeah. Oh, he did, didn't he? Oh, that's such a good bit. Oh, I love that bit. Uh, so, he learns about uh, zen and friendliness and responsibility from Prince Flea Swallow. Cool. Um, however, that's not what Parappa needs for his B-plot. No. Uh, as after they've beaten both Scrap the Rapper and Tech Support, they're on to the, near enough the final rounds. Yeah. Um, now, whoever was supposed to be there against Parappa and PJ has pulled out. So they've had to kind of force the hand a little bit and alter the bill. So it suddenly becomes Parappa versus PJ. Oh. And PJ's down for it and didn't tell Parappa. Ah. Yeah. Um, cause, so PJ and Parappa are pitted against each other. PJ's got the beat. Parappa isn't rhyming in time. He's he's not do, giving a good performance. So PJ wins. Right. Parappa is out of the competition. The two argue about it backstage afterwards. And eventually decide to go their separate ways. This fallout kind of divides the group a little bit. So PJ starts hanging out with Katie and Lammy more so he can get live instrumentals on his tracks. Yep. So Milk Can's now working with, with PJ. Sonny kind of feels sorry for Parappa and starts hanging out with him more. Um, Sonny indeed shows her musical side. Uh, she's kind of like a... Think of her as like a YouTube vlogger girl who plays the ukulele. Okay. <laughs> that's her shtick. Yeah. She's like gentle, gentle pop music. Oh, okay. Um, but that's how her and Parappa are able to connect through sort of a fusion of, of more hip-hop, pop-infused yeah, yeah. things going on. I think normal chart music, that's what you're going right. for. So, and the two's friendship really does begin to blossom. That's not an intentional pun. Sonny's birthday is coming up. Uh, Parappa has decided that he's going to go and get her a cake. Yep. Um, he has bought one and it's... Fairly, fairly expensive. You know, standard two-tier. Really nice looking. Unfortunately, Joe Chin is also setting eyes on buying a cake for Sonny. Right. And he has bought a much bigger and fancier one. Bastard. Bastard. Yeah. The two have an argument about who is going to be the one to present the cake for yep. Sonny's birthday. Which inevitably leads to Joe pushing Parappa into his cake and completely fucking it up. Right. Um, this is where we get to boss four of the game. Um, Parappa now needs to make a new cake from scratch. He has absolutely no cooking skills. This is not his bag. Yep. He's kind of... The only thing he is, is a rapper. And even then, he's still learning as he goes along. Uh-huh. So this is where the fourth boss, Cheap Cheap, who is a chicken who has a TV cooking show, comes into it. And for the sake of diversity, I've got Cardi B playing that role. Okay. <laughs> now, that's, that's a fan one, obviously. Yeah. I, I kind of thought that's... Okay, you'll see when you go and look at the things, but this is leaning more towards the side of the art that I was slightly uncomfortable with. But Cheap Cheap in the game is just a big fucking chicken, and it's not interesting to look at, so I think there'd be a bit more attitude to it. You'd add stuff to it, okay. Yeah, she's got, you know, a bit of like a stern Nigella thing going on. 
Oh, ooh. Don't ask. <laughs> Hello. Uh, so Parappa, th- while watching these instructions and sort of imagining himself in that kitchen, so you get a bit more of a... The element of the fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's actually getting berated. Like 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 Gordon Ramsay's shouting these instructions okay. to him. Uh, and he successfully makes a good birthday cake. And her and Sonny end up sharing a really nice birthday together. As it turns out, um, Joe isn't interested in Sonny. Um, Joe's gay. <laughs> oh. Joe's just like super into Sonny's music. He's a big fan of her on YouTube. Oh. And that's why she's quite dismissive of him. Because you're, like, you're just a crazy fan that goes to the same school as us it's not cool so you've been building up this whole thing of Joe's your enemy and he really isn't if anything he actually admires Parappa Ah. and he's really sorry about the fact that he got kicked out of the contest but he wants to be friends with Sonny so they have a bit of a reconciliation there okay Um, uh, but Sonny's noticed that Parappa's actually getting more gentle and a bit more creative and she likes him now that he's not a rapper right now that he's not in this game anymore She's into him. Okay. Uh, Parappa starts writing a love song for her. Uh-huh. And it's going to explain how he feels about her. But he hasn't found the right time to perform it. And he isn't able to find the right music to match the words. Right. He's in a bit of a writer's block. In this time, uh, both Sonny and Parappa are invited by Kate and Lammy uh, to Club Fun, which is where the final's taking place, the competition. Mm-hmm. PJ is performing. He's only got one challenge left and he gets to rap with MC King Kong Mushi. Nice. Uh, Parappa asks Sonny to go with her, which she hesitantly agrees, but inevitably they do go. At the concert, PJ kind of sheepishly comes up to Parappa and is like, I cannot win this contest alone. I found out I'm not rapping one person, I'm rapping four. Ah. I can't beat all four of these people, I need you back. So again, we've got the whole... Parappa's coming to terms with himself... And with the mindsets for the people, yeah. and he reconciles with PJ. The gauntlet, as they are called, the uh, final enemy, are all four of the people that Parappa's been rapping with. Ah. They're like a super group. Right, okay. Uh, so Parappa has got to rap his way through four different styles, one after the other, in like right. a big Wait, final so is push. This, uh, is this tech support and what's his face, or is it the moose? They're not, it's the, it's um, the moose, the... Onion Knight. Onion Knight, yeah. Lizard Boy, and the chicken. Right, okay. So they're, they're like, if you imagine them as like an animal D12. Right, okay, cool. <laughs> that's their shtick. Um, but they get through it, and, and Sonny's really shocked when Parappa steps on stage. Like, he, he actually changed the way that he's been clothed as well. Right. Before this, in the art I showed you, he's slightly hat. old, he's got the hat, yeah. he's got the thing. But he cleaned up, he'd gone quite preppy. Right. Now he's back to being good old-fashioned Parappa the Rapper. And he wins. Okay. Um, but that's, you know, they, they take a break, they come off stage, and Sonny's like, I don't know if I'm okay with with this. Right. Um, I don't know why you're into this aggressive music, this aggressive lifestyle. You've These are people that have helped you, and you've essentially just dissed them all on stage. Yeah, yeah. You've talked trash about them. This isn't you. I know you to be a, a kinder person. Right. Um, and Parappa has to kind of think about the lessons that he's been taught by by these teachers with his ex- experiences with Joe, with his experience with PJ. Yep. And he begs Sonny, stick around for the final performance. This isn't an ego thing. I need you to be there. Mm-hmm. That's when Parappa gets on stage with MC King Mushi, And instead of doing... They plan to have this whole rap battle between them. Yep. Instead, Parappa's like, we're not doing that. 
and there's a bit of tension on stage but he's like PJ I want you to play the beat we've been working on and he performs the song that he'd written for Sonny right and that's when it all comes together Sonny realises that it would be wrong of her to sort of squash his dreams because she thinks he'll be a better person without this creative outlet but as it turns out this creative outlet is the reason he's a better person he's got a passion and he's able to express himself and he's gone from somebody who is tripping up his words on a first demo track to somebody who can rap on stage with the most famous rapper of all time whilst also being an honest and earnest person so they inevitably get together. Oh, okay. At the end of the movie, the gang is going to see the new Jet Baby movie, which they complained that the, the last one was only six months ago. Right, a uh, game meta, cool. Yep, and they said, don't worry, it's totally earned a sequel, wink to camera. Right. Um, so we're nodding towards the potential for a second Parappa the Rapper movie. Nice. Sunny, and Funny, uh, Sunny, Funny and Parappa the Rapper are an item. Everybody's friends again. Big happy ending. See you in the next movie. Cool. I liked it. Thank you. I mean, the best one I could tell you is I could see it quite easily being a movie. Yeah. That very much fits in with... Oh, you, I don't know if this is false praise. It's it's a little bit like of that Despicable Me mould. Yeah. Of like, it's cutest stuff, but there's genuine humour in there. That's the... Not the Minions. No. Fucking, not that film. Ignore that. But Despicable Me is actually quite watchable. Certainly the first one, yeah. Yeah. So that was the kind of vibe I was... I was getting it. It didn't feel like an artistic thing like a Kubo and the Two Strings deal. It no. felt like entry. And that shit gets made all the time. Yeah. It has varying results. So I could see quite easily, yeah, you have had to stretch out a plot from a game that didn't really have one. I've also had to, because again, the original game is 30 minutes long. One of the levels in that game is you need the toilet, so you've got to rap against everybody. Okay. To get to the front of the line to use the loo. I, was, right. I got rid of that straight away. Good. And, uh, that's where I wrote in the subplot about the rap tournament and then I wrote the gauntlet in. Ah, um, okay. Because the story of the Parappa, the rap of the game, is fucking non-existent. It's just Parappa's got to believe in himself. So that's the core concept I wanted to right. take from point A to point B. He starts off needing, like not being great at what he loves and needing somebody to help him mm-hmm. to learning about humility, learning about who he is. And finally, becoming the person who can express himself not only technically well, but also from the heart. Right. There's that arc there. And obviously, we've stunt-casted everybody getting actual rappers in. no, good job there. That was the plan. And like you say, that was the mold I was going for. I I wanted it to be an approachable family movie about things that people find popular now, whilst taking out those elements that people find unsavoury about the rap culture. We have a nice message in there as well. No, I think that really works. That was a... I, I know you didn't have a lot of faith in it. And it was a very left-field pick. I'll be honest with you. I just wanted to get Charles Gambino in the movie. Purely because you could track you can track his evolution of his style. Yeah. In the same way you could do in this movie. You start out with like the kind of scrappy young Gambino yeah, yeah. from like the camp album. And then you end with Awaken My Love where it's more soulful. Yeah. So, yeah. That bit might be slightly high concept, but... That's what I, I liked to do. it. Well, put it this way: you went to use a snooker analogy. You went for a very tricky long pot there, whereas I've gone for a red that's covering a pocket already. As I've <laughs> gone for possibly the safest option other than Uncharted to adapt. So, yeah, I went down the same rabbit of like Horizon Zero Dawn feels like. Joe you and know Ubisoft were basically making games that they could easily turn into movies. Yeah. Like Watch Dogs has that very much. And The Division, um, apparently. The Division, apparently. I mean, they've only got Assassin's Creed out, and the less we say about that, 
<laughs> godly mess of a movie, the better. So Horizon Zero Dawn really feels like that. Mm. So that was an option. The Last of Us felt, again, same thing, but that's a pretty sacred game to be doing that to. Like, it's held in such high esteem to do that first day. But it's really... I've said this. I understand that it's a great, great game, and I did enjoy playing it. But I, I, I enjoyed it, and I, I, it was fun. But it's not a fun game. No. It wouldn't be a fun movie. It's a very grim, dark, serious game, and I didn't really want them. Um, but ultimately, I was like, well, I knew from day one... There's only one choice for me. Even if it's not necessarily the one I'd want to do, is it the easiest job, or is it the job I feel I could do the best of? I owe it to myself to do God of War. Yep. Because this is a fucking God of War. So, um, basically, what I've got here is, about the first third of this is just my proof of concept that will kind of set the tone I'm going for for the rest of the movie. Okay. And then it's basically cliff notes after that. It's, uh, we are... Uh, doing an adaptation of the first game so not the new God of War the Norse one we're doing we're going back to ancient Greece and doing that one okay um, I won't I've only cast five people it's a relatively short cast of characters in this one but I'm just going to hit me on a proof of concept and then I'll talk you through some of the finals. let's do it I don't have a director I don't have any of that business but here we go right we open on an ancient Greek ship um, at sea it's nighttime voyage they are ferrying cargo uh, the still of the waves starts to get choppy as a storm seems to be creeping in. Down in the bells of the ship, a man is just sat in the shadows. You can't see him. He's sat bolt upright uh, whilst everyone around him is sleeping. So imagine you're like panning through the, the hull. Um, not the hull. What's it called? The hold? Un- under a bo- the hold of a boat. You've got people sleeping in hammocks and, and on the floors and stuff. But you can just see silhouetted in moonlight against a window. A big fucking dude <laughs> just sat there. Um, a huge lurch of the ship wakes everyone up though so it literally rolls like that and would be good. Uh, the sailors all scramble to their feet and rush to the desk uh, the storm has grown substantially out of nowhere and the boat is struggling in the sudden choppy water uh, waves and rain are battering the ship um, but still the man downstairs not moving nonplussed by the whole thing on the deck we cut below the ship to see something huge moving around the boat um eventually bumping into it and sending some of the sailors over the side. All, all the sailors rush to one side to see what hit them, and then as we're kind of seeing them rush towards the camera and look over, we see this thing come out of the water behind <laughs> them. Several things are coming out of the water behind them. Um, there is an ear-spitting uh, screech as we uh, the camera switches to a high-angle shot, um, and the sailors... So we are now looking from... From the from monster's the thing's point of view, yeah. yeah. The side of the screens will be cut back down into the bells of the ship. Um, the man in shadow looks resigned, slowly stands to his um, feet, and he can be seen branching what looks like massive knives. Um, <laughs> he looks wearily towards the wall of the ship uh, when a huge sea serpent just smashes through, appearing to swallow the manhole. Uh, the serpent is like struggling back out of the ship, but before it can get its head back out, the jaw of Shun Li um, starts to be prized apart by the man inside. Um, he's ash white. We see a good look at him now. He's yeah. still kind of hard to make out, but he's ash white, big old red tattoo running down his arm and his back. Uh, he forces the jaws open and dives out, uh, and then we see the man rushing through the ship. Um, so all of this, we haven't seen his face yet? No, no, we don't get a clear look at him. He's running through the bells of the ship. Um, he's avoiding narrowly multiple heads, smashing through the boat trying to get to him. He reaches the deck, and he's confronted by the Hydra. 
10 plus heads are destroying this boat. Uh, as the man appears on deck, another head rises, markedly bigger and redder than the other ones. Um, where the other ones are like a dark green in colour. Yeah. He squeezes down at the man and the man doesn't really move. He just kind of hunkers down and gets ready. Um, as one of the smaller head lunges, the man jumps over it and plunges two blades right in the top of his fodder. Um, <laughs> as he's dragged out over the water, he dies from head to head, slashing everything. The knives are kind of connected by chains. I'm doing this like you don't know who Kratos is. Yeah. <laughs> he's chucking them... <laughs> And they are being recalled back to his hands. But all of this is happening from behind him. Yeah, we're not not seeing his face. Well, we're changing camera angles. We're going from far to close in, but we're not getting a clear look at the man himself. Um, And yeah, he's just jumping, slicing off heads, attacking. But obviously the Hydra doesn't care. It'll just keep coming at you. Um, Where was I? Uh, Jumping from head to head. Um, He lands on the main head and just starts slashing at it. He's on top of it, just slashing at it, going for the eyes and stuff. Um, he ends up in the mouth again um, and stabs the creature, causing it to start flashing about. It breaks the mast of the ship uh, in half and there's like a jagged bit where the pole is. Uh, and the man jumps down on the deck with his, uh, his inside the mouth. He stabs the blade into the roof of the, the mouth, jumps down onto the deck and just starts cleaving this thing. <laughs> um, and we're seeing now, we're right next to him. We can see the strain on him, but he's pulling this thing down. Um and then with one great fucking yank of the thing, he spears this, the, the mask goes right through the guy's mouth, out through his eye, uh, and the other head, you just see them all fall back into the sea. Cool. Um, so a sailor on the broken like deck regains consciousness. Uh, he looks at the man and recognition like dawns on him. He says, I know you. No wonder you hid your face when you boarded. You're the ghost of Sparta. You caused this. May the gods damn you to Hades. May Ares crush man's head just gets chopped off. <laughs> and Kratos, played by Jason Momoa. Yes. Because I need a big fucking dude. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Big Dave for a second then. More on Big Dave in a minute. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> um, obviously the one everyone wants is Vin Diesel, but I'm like, no, no. didn't work. Um, Kratos what? merely responds, damn the gods. <laughs> Titles. Nice. So that's kind of my, that's what we're going for. That will be your tone. The rest of this is Cliff Notes. Um, we get a female voiceover uh, who isn't recognised, but we know it's Gaia, kind of narrating a lot of this. She's mm. talking through, you would have heard her in the opening, and she's talking through. I don't really go into that, just know that she's there that narrating that. Yeah, certain yeah. things. Um, so yeah, the, it's pretty much a note for note first level of the game, isn't it? Yeah, that's, yeah. it's the best opening to any video game <laughs> ever. So that. Uh, and don't expect a lot of deviation from plot here, Michael. <laughs> uh, the boat sails back into shore. Uh, it crashes into the dock and Kratos just walks away nonplussed. Literally steps off. Not like Jack Swagger and like swagging about it. It just steps off and walks off. Don't care. Uh, most people are like fleeing from the crowd, looking at the crashed ship, running away from him. Um, but we do see um, one woman following him through this crowd. Uh, Kratos makes his way to the top of a nearby mountain overlooking the sea. He looks mournfully towards the horizon whilst rubbing a bracelet on his uh, wrist. He's, it's, in amongst the chains, there's a little scrap of um, fabric that he's rubbing. Um, where am I? I keep losing my place. Um, there he is. Um, he goes to step off the cliff, um, but a voice stops him. It won't bring you any closer to her. Kratos managed to stop himself from falling off the cliff, turned around to see a woman that was tying him... Um, um, who was standing through the group is now stood on the cliffside. Um, and Kratos just says, Did you not hear me damn your kind? I want no part of your schemes, Athena. Leave me alone. 
lead me to my fate. So this is Athena. She's going to be played by da, 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 uh, Vanessa Kirby, who is in uh, The Crown. Okay. And stuff like that. Um, hang on, I had a picture of her. You'll know who she is. She's also in Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, As yeah, in, yeah. like, uh, Jesse Statham's yes. sister. Boom. Yes. Good choice. She's going to be my Athena. She's got, like, quite high cheekbones and, like, a real mm, face. <laughs> a real mm, face. Yeah. Um, description. So Athena says, your fate? Your fate was to die at the hands of the barbarian hordes. You may dislike it, but we've been dictating your face for your fate for the last ten years, Kratos. And what has that brought me but pain and death? At least in death I can be free of it all. Can you? All that violence has its cost, Kratos. You were destined for Hades well before my brother spared your life. A decade of serving the god of war has only secured you a deeper pit down there. You won't see your wife again. You won't see your daughter again. I can assure you of that, but I can offer to free you from your pain. So Athena at this point basically offers to free Kratos from these memories that have been plaguing him. Um, she explains that um, Ares, has been on the, Ares has been on the rampage. He's destroying Greece and he's about to attack Athens, um, her city. Um, and he offers her offer is, you help me defeat Ares and I'll take the pain away. Kratos claims that others have promised this before, but Athena says there is no pain she can't remove. She touches her head, and that's when we get an arty um, exposition montage. Fun. This is going to be, again, Guy doing a bit of an oversight, uh, uh, narration through this, and we see the potted history of Kratos. So, he was a Spartan general, the best one ever, came up against the barbarian hordes, was being defeated, was about to be killed, screamed to the gods, to Ares, to help him, and he would be in their debt. Ares, of course, killed all the barbarians there and then. Um... Damned into servitude, puts the blades of chaos on his arms. He carries on warring, killing lots of people. For Ares, goes a bit bloodlusty, accidentally kills his wife and daughter. Um, and then he's cursed to be the ghost of Sparta. This, again, shortened version of that. That would be a pretty lengthy scene, obviously. Do we know who the voice of Gaia is yet? Or is that a uh, I haven't cast the voice of Guy. Okay. Because uh, Guy doesn't turn up in the first game. No. She tends to be in the second one, so I haven't really cast her, but yeah. Fair enough. Somewhat. Um... Kratos like kind of stumbles out of it and just again always seems resigned to his fate. Um, oh, sorry. We then also explain that he eventually, after he killed his wife and daughter, he attempted to leave the service of Ares and kind of did the bidding for the other gods, um, but uh, including killing the Hydra for Poseidon, which is what he was doing on the boat. Um, but he accepts the offer, but swears to kill Athena if she's lying to him. Uh, Athena tells him that the pair of destroyer god exists within the fabled Pandora's box, located on the back of the fallen titan King Kronos. Um, we're not really... We're skipping out a bit of the first game here, where he's working his way through some temples. We're yeah. just skipping straight to the Pandora's box stuff. Um, Athena will accompany him in spirit form, that kind of green, glowy thing she's always doing, mm-hmm. um, to ensure that he keeps... Not the space share. No. No, <laughs> God, never space share. Um... Basically, because Kratos is basically on a solar adventure from most of God of War, he needs someone to talk to. Yeah. So we're just going to put Athena there, but she's not really there. She's a god. She can be omnipresent. It's fine. Cool. Um, and this is where we get further exploring of Kratos' past. Um, I haven't done dialogue, because who cares? 
Um, but they would, um, yeah, you, you talk more about his servitude to the gods and how he wanted to, he was trying to kill himself so he could just be done with it all. Um, we see them being spied on by Hermes. Now, Hermes is in the first game. He's a dickhead who turns up in the third one, but I wanted a way to relay information back to Ares. Yeah. Hermes is going to be played by, I can't say his name, Ewan Rowan? Ramsey Bolton yes, will be Ramsey playing Bolton. Hermes because he's a good at being a bellend and <laughs> good God is Hermes a bellend in those games. He is reporting back to Ares who is setting Athens on fire basically at this point. Ares knew this would come. The gods all trembled the day he was born. I am grateful that he never realised his full potential, forever blinded by his pathetic feelings for his past life. I gave him a platform to achieve glory in the name of the god of war and he resents me for it. Good. Let pet revenge consume him. He must never know who he really is. Playing up all the, the stuff that comes in the later games. Yep. Um, Kratos reaches the desert where Kronos is trapped, uh, doomed to wonder forever for his crimes against the gods. Uh, Kratos and Athena mount a cliff overlooking um, a passing Kronos below. So he's kind of walking through a gorge at this point, And Kratos is going to drop onto him. Doobie-doobie-doo. Mm-hmm. Um... But as they kind of walk up this, they find someone's already stood at the top of this cliff. Wouldn't you know it, it's that bastard Zeus again. Um, <laughs> Zeus will be played, I think it's... Yeah, Zeus. Oh, I didn't tell you Ares. Ares is Batista. <laughs> That's Big Dave. That's Big Dave. There he is. Um, Zeus, I'm going with Josh Brolin. Okay, yeah, I can see that. We're going to put him in some Zeusy stuff. He's going to have white hair and beard and stuff. But I didn't want, like, an old geezer. Yeah. Because we have to fight him at some point. Yeah. And... You know, I'd want to see Jason Momoa have a go at Josh Brolin. That would be quite fun. Yeah. Uh, Aquaman having a fight with Thanos. Um, <laughs> nice. Doop, 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 Lost the place. There it is. Um, so they kind of walk up to him. You see him, like, from the back. He's looking down at his dad. Um, they. Um, he asks what they are doing. Uh, he asks what they are doing seeking out his father, Kronos. Athena says that Zeus already knows why. Uh, and Zeus berates his daughter for her petty acts. Ares is the god of war. He's merely doing what he has been entrusted to do. He has an insatiable appetite, true, but I had hoped my children could resolve their issues without resorting to using mortals to do their dirty work. He kind of looks Kratos up and down and says, um, I know of your deeds, ghost of Sparta. You are a great warrior, but I have to insist that you stop here. I cannot allow you to interfere in the business of the gods. Kratos reminds him that he's not indebted to Zeus and dies off the cliff onto Kratos' back, <laughs> kind of blue-balling Zeus. Uh, Zeus gives a harrowing look to Athena. If he succeeds, you know what will happen. Zeus is out of there. Now, obviously Zeus plays a much bigger part of the antagonist of the second and third game. Mm. He does appear in spirit form, along with a lot of the other gods in the first one, basically to give Kratos power-ups. But I wanted to put him there a bit more prominently. Yeah. Um, like putting the Emperor in New Hope. You, you, you're saying you want for later, but yeah, that's it. Kratos is almost immediately set upon by harpies in the temple. Now, this is the bit we kind of want from a God of War game. Yeah. There is a lot of good backstory there, and that's why he's enjoyed as a character, but we want the action scenes. It's two big bad boys. This is the first one. Basically, the next 15 minutes are a condensed raid movie as Kratos <laughs> battles all kinds of mythical creatures. All the ones you'd fucking want in there are in this temple as he's trying to get to the chamber with Pandora's boxes. Um, so he's fighting harpies, he's fighting minotaurs, he's fighting cyclopses. It's not necessarily a one-shot 
it's just him yeah, moving through these things, killing them. It's all glorious murder. Yeah. Um, in the end, he has to fight and kill Pandora's Guardian, which is a giant metal minotaur. Um, he retrieves the box, but just before he's opened it, wouldn't you know, a giant stone pillar pierces his chest, crumbles through the walls of the of the temple and just pins him against the wall. Mm. Um, we see that Ares was the one through it, who threw it, he threw it from Athens because he's a god, he just fucking hurls that thing. Um, I will point out Ares isn't giant in this because I, I never really liked the ending where Kratos goes giant and had the big silly fight. Yeah. So he's normal size, but he just picked this thing up and fucking hurled it hundreds of miles and pierced him straight through the chest. So it's kind of like, because it's been a while since, a hot minute since I've played the original God of War, Yes. it's like the stranger turning up at the start of God of War 4 where he yes. just fucking launches a tree at you. Exactly like that, that. yes. Cool. So, but in the original game, Ares is like 200 foot tall and he chucks a massive thing through him. This is a normal size Ares, still chucking a fairly hefty pillar and just gets Kratos pins against the wall. Um, Kratos lies dying and the harpies take the chest and take it back to Athens to Ares. Um, Kratos falls into Hades. This is, as you know, a mild inconvenience for uh, Kratos. Um, he, but he looks resigned to it. He's, he was trying to get there anyway. He's falling down. There's like, you know, the whole wall made of like the arms of the dam yeah, yeah. he's just plummeting down this thing lands the arms starting to overtake him um, and he's letting them consume him he's not really bothered but then the female voiceover we've been hearing tells him that he's letting Ares have the last lap so the gods will carry on using mortals to satiate their desires you cannot come this far to fail do it for her do it for Calliope Kratos is like Wah! Starts fighting his way out. Um, and he begins to climb out of hell. This would be my one shot. We are following him. Like, things are coming to get him. Demons are running at him. Fucking them off. So, um, <laughs> Cerberus turns up. He's having him off. And then he just starts climbing up the arms to get out of hell. Yeah. He's climbing towards a big red light where all the bodies are falling down. And yeah, he's jumping from chasm to chasm to chasm. Um, and then eventually as he's getting closer and closer the red light gets brighter and brighter and eventually whites out the screen yeah fade black we cut to we're just looking at like a mound of dirt outside Mount Olympus when Kratos punches through that shit <laughs> um, I'd written out the character of the grave digger because it was just he happened to build a grave straight to hell I never liked that okay so basically we, we're saying that Hades is at the bottom of um Mount Olympus, which I think they touch on in God of War 3. When you escape Hades, you come up out of um, Mount Olympus. But yeah, in this one, he literally just punches his way out of soil. Fucking, <laughs> it's fine. Um, so he comes out of soil. Um, he, Mount Olympus is just outside Athens. Athens is on fire. Um, so Kratos runs into the city seeking Ares. Uh, he finds him leading an army of demons towards the largest temple to Athena with Pandora's box with him. Kratos confronts him and Ares sets his army on him. Just, eh, he's a mortal. Go again. Uh, Kratos, of course, clears through all of them and manages to open Pandora's box. Black smoke, um, like the smoke monster from Lost, just starts shooting yeah. out this thing. Um, shoots out all over the place. Eventually, one blue one opens and it enters into Kratos. He then engages Ares. Um, they smash the ever-loving shit out of each other <laughs> all the way through the city. Think Superman versus Zod level of just proper change of it yes Um, they don't grow giant but otherwise it's as hard hitting as you'd expect eventually Kratos is able to stab Ares and cut his head off Mm -hmm. Uh, he seeks Athena in her temple wanting what she promised but Athena reveals that his memories can't be changed 
Ares ensured that they were part of his life debt to him. So even though Ares is dead, the visions can't be removed because Kratos is still alive. Mm. Kratos goes to stab her, but it just goes straight through. She's in spirit form. Um, but she says that she hopes the peace he has brought to Greece is payment enough. Kratos clearly disagrees. <laughs> he walks up Mount Olympus, comes to a cliff edge. This time, again, he's rubbing the bracelet, Calliope's bracelet, we've never yeah. it was a necklace, he's got big fucking forms. Yeah. Um, we've established that in the flashback. And this time he succeeds in throwing himself off the cliff. But before he hits the ground, he kind of hits the ground, but... Dumpf. And he's like, the fuck? He's back on the cliffside. Um... He turns around. Zeus is there. I owe you a great thank you, Kratos. I couldn't admit this to Athena, but even I wasn't blind to the suffering Ares was afflicting. I'm afraid my children have grown unruly. We've no one left to fight but themselves ever since we eradicated the Titans. I need someone to keep them in check, so I'm afraid I can't allow you to die. But I can offer you something much more befitting of your talents. Olympus has an empty throne. Greece needs a god of war. Take your rightful place on my side and bring justice to the people so long neglected by the gods. And your closing shot is Kratos accepting and him slumping down and sitting in the god of war throne, looking like a fucking badass, and that's how we would close that movie. Nice. Not my most original of ideas, because that's basically... A, I've cut out some of the ancillary missions, but that's the basic plot of game one. Um... You would obviously then go on to expanding that. Kratos goes mad with power um, and Zeus decided it's time to kill him. And then you get through... You'd probably do God of War 2 and 3 as two separate movies. Mm. Um, basically, because I really want to make God of War 3. <laughs> oh, God, I love that game. Um, but yeah, that's my God of War pitch that I felt I had to do. Nice. I think I, like I did it. on my casting. Yeah, you got on my casting. Yeah, so. there's only five people in it anyway. <gasps> I'm, I'm liking who you got to play Zeus. Yeah. That's a good pull. Yeah, he's I a, like that. I was thinking more of him as Cable, of just this kind of just fucking powerhouse. Yeah. Of like, yeah, don't fuck with Zeus. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you don't fuck with Zeus. Is um, Zeus giant or is he the same size as everyone? No, Zeus, we, we're digitally altering to look a bit bigger than Kratos. Yeah. But Jason Moe is like six foot four and Josh Brolin is not that tall. So he'd probably look about seven foot, like not unnaturally big, but like he's yeah. fucking Zeus. He's got to be a, like a foot taller than everybody else. Yeah. Um, I played with putting a few of the other gods on because Hades appears in the first one, Poseidon appears in the first one. Um, who's the other one? Another one turns up in the first one, but I can't remember who it is. Um, but I was like, no, I want to save them for. I want to save them for later ones. I'd probably have to put Poseidon in number two, just so we could then have the opening of God of War three. The only thing that rivals God of War one is fighting Poseidon at the start of God of War three, <laughs> the best boss battle fucking ever. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that was that, Michael. I need to drink. I like it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's real good. I, I think you've clearly latched onto an IP that would easily translate to just a boss the wall action movie. Yeah. I think the, the Athena thing is like, that kind of feels a bit Navi-esque, if you know what I mean. Yeah. That was but it makes of... sense because otherwise it's just an angry man wandering through and slaughtering folk. Jason Momoa just walking quietly until he has to stab something. Yeah, he's not. Now, I'm not super hot on anything that happens past God of War 1. So that I pretty much understood as a truncated version of the first game. Yes. God of War 2, I have no idea what happens. And I know 3 is the quest to kill Zeus. So, right, God of War 2, 
So there's some bits of that I've kind of missed out on. Of um, uh, Kratos, there's a lot more reasons why he doesn't trust the gods. So basically, he just starts. Basically, does what Ares is doing. He just starts fucking leading the Spartan army to glory. He basically just becomes Spartan god at that point, and has them basically overtaking um, Greece. Zeus decides, I don't fucking like that. He waits for the Spartan. Waits for um, Kratos to go back down onto. Um, I think he lands. It's not Athens. It's Rhodes. He lands in Rhodes, um, and Zeus kind of unbeknownst to Kratos turns um, the Colossus of Rhodes into an actual thing, which is the opening boss fight number two. Um, it's fucking wailing on Kratos, and it basically almost kills him. Um, Zeus turns up looking like a savior and says, "Right, I'm going to give you the blade of Olympus. It's the blade the I big used, fuck off sword. The big fuck off sword yeah. he used to kill, well, defeat the Titans." Um, and tells Kratos to put all of his godly powers into this and then you'll be able to defeat it. Does that, defeats Costa Zeus turns up, gets sort of stabs Kratos. Uh, Kratos again escapes hell, because that's what he fucking does. Um, <laughs> because he gets caught by his, um, Gaia, and Gaia basically kind of, you skip, you do go to Hades for a bit, but Gaia helps you back up, and Gaia says, Look, Zeus is a fucking tyrant, he's always being a tyrant. I should know, I raised him. He betrayed his dad he set up his own order he kicked the titans out we want revenge as much as you do you can change your fate you need to go and see the sisters of fate now god of war 2 is the one i remember the least but you basically go and find these witty things um who are the sisters of fate who control the loom of time which is a big fucking pull thread that means you can go back in time to when zeus betrayed him and try and kill him um that doesn't work because in the final fight, he accidentally kills Athena, um, and Zeus escapes basically. Um, but Kratos goes back to this loom of time, goes well the fuck back to when they were fighting the Titans were fighting um, uh, the gods, and brings all the Titans with him. So the Titans are basically like elementals. Yeah. So there's uh, Atlas, you've got Gaia, the nature one, you've got a um, Typhonus, the the thunder god, etc. 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 He brings them all back. And that's when you get the closing shot of God of War 2. The best ending of a video game ever. Of fucking the Titans scaling Mount Olympus to come and get Zeus. And Kratos fucking swearing bloody murder on the back of the <laughs> Fuck, go and um, I think it's number three is where you find out that um, Kratos is actually Zeus's son. son. Yeah. He's a demigod. And when he opened up Pandora's box, he didn't actually do anything to himself. The, the black stuff that came out was um, fear and doubt and stuff. And it's what turns Zeus evil, basically. Mm. The whole fear he had locked up in Pandora's box in order to defeat the Titans and be brave about it, comes back and starts putting the doubts into his head. The blue thing that escaped was hope, because the last thing to escape Pandora's box was hope. So all that did was enable Kratos to kind of believe in him. He's so like miserable and shit and fucking hates himself that that allowed him to tap into his demigod strength, which is why he could defeat Ares. Um, now, something about... this is, I'm a bit lost on this one. Basically, Pandora is then created, and she's a real person in the third game, right. and she's like your navi, she follows you around. Um, and basically, God of War 3 is just murder everybody. So you... Um, <laughs> murder everybody. Murder everybody. You fight Poseidon at the start best boss battle fucking ever 
and in murdering him, the seas go mental. Basically, you kill the god who's in charge of something, you turn that thing into chaos. So the seas just start fucking rising up and murdering everybody. Drowning people, Athens is fucking flooded. Um, you then get... Gaia then tries to betray you. She's like, you were a means to an end there, fuck off. Um, I'm going to kill Zeus. Yeah. Gets chucked back into Hades. He has to fight Hades in Hades. Um, he fights Hercules. He fights... Uh, he kills Hera. Uh, he has to fight Hephaestus, the smith god, who's kind of his friend, but then betrays him. Um, he has to fight Hermes, he cuts his legs off. Uh, he fights Helios, the sun god, and rips his head off. Oh, um, yeah, because he then, carries it around. Yeah, like a little lantern. Yeah. Um, all manner of stuff. Eventually, he gets to the top of Mount Olympus. Um, he has to kill Gaia first, whilst also fighting Zeus. And then he fights Zeus at the end. Pandora dies at some point, but that's like a little plot thing. He has a bit of a vision quest, realises he's the best and beats the ever-loving piss out of Zeus. Uh, and that's God of War. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Then he kills himself. Little plot point. Little uh, plot point. Yeah, he gets to the end, and Athena's still there in spirit form, even though she died. And she's like, well, what are you going to do now? You plunge the world into chaos. Fucking Zeus is dead. Everything's gone mad. There's fucking thunderstorms, floods, the works. Um, the dead can't die properly because you killed Hades, you mad bastard. <laughs> so what are you going to do now? And Kratos says, something I should have done a long time ago, fucking chucks the blade, like embeds the hilt into the ground and just chucks, chucks himself, himself on, on it. The thing. Yeah. But obviously, the post-credit bit, you just see a trail of blood leading off the edge of the cliff. Kratos survives, got a big fuck-off, two big fuck-off scars in his chest now, mm-hmm. and he goes to Norse mythology. Which, of course, if it's a successful trilogy, you could then also then go and... You could do that, maybe? Do the soft reboot and then, you know, just whack a beard on, Kray- on uh, Jason Momoa. And give him a son. It's something he's done before. Exactly. So it's exciting for the games already because it now means you can just hop to different um, mythologies. So they're doing Norse now, but even in God of War, uh, the, the latest one, there's allusions to um, the gods of Egypt, uh, Roman gods, um, Japanese gods, etc., etc., etc. So they can go fucking anywhere they want. Cool. Whew. Yours is definitely better at franchising then. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how I think. Like, makes more sense because this, the, especially with the resurgence of God of War recently it feels like their safest bet outside of Uncharted to do but I see Uncharted's a bit weird because they're not adapting they're not adapting a game directly they're giving us there's backstory essentially yeah ancillary content but I, the story of God of War doesn't I mean you don't need the, the murdered my family days do you you want to go straight into the revenge tale surely exactly so I mean the ancillary God of War games are kind of up and down in quality anyway. Chains of Olympus was basically just a tech demo for the PSP. Ghost of Sparta is one of the most underrated games ever because I played the PS3 remaster. That's fucking great. It's got Kratos' brother. You go back to Sparta. It's fucking nice. Uh, and the less said about God of War Ascension, the better. It's got something called the Hecaton. What was that? Uh, God of War Ascension is a prequel to the trilogy um, and it's about... The last job, it's one of the last jobs he does for Ares, I think. Right. Something like that. And basically, he has to, what's he even doing? <laughs> That's how good it is, you have no idea what you're doing in All the game. All I remember about that is the opening boss fight is really good, because you're fighting a prison that's also alive. Oh, okay. They built a prison inside a titan called the Hecatonkeries, which is just a really fun word to say, and that's about all God of War Ascension did correctly, <laughs> is you can just get to say the word Hecatonkeries. Oh, it just rolls, it just fucking builds and flows so beautifully. <laughs> yeah, God of so that's the thing. I wouldn't even want to adapt any of that and do like, well, you know, people know the main story of God of War, we'll adapt other things. It's not proven to work with the games. Yeah. I'd rather them just do that. Do a straight shot, three, three yeah. films and a reboot. Yeah. 
Cool. I think there's there's enough there that it's not an overly complicated game because a lot of it is just hack and slash. So you just have to cut certain bits out. So there's probably a lot from the first God of War. Like you find Medusa at some point, you could have that in the temple, but you haven't got to do a full on her him going to the city of the Gorgons and fighting her. You can cut certain bits and just mess it up without feeling like you're um, doing that game a disservice, or you're doing the franchise or the characters a disservice. And so there we go. There we are. Whew, not bad. Continue. I write. I, I wrote the first scene because obviously I just fucking love that yeah. bit so much. I wrote that about a month ago, and then the other. Ten paragraphs were written yesterday in one sitting <laughs> with no proofreading. Sorry if you're a bit jumbled there. Yay! We 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 both made huge rush jobs on this one. Then. Well, we did. We both not the unlike idea, some of the games in their franchises. <laughs> we did, but now we both have bigger projects we want to um, go and tackle, which we'll yeah. talk about after the plugs. Yeah, you can go and follow me on Twitter at that Mike Cohen or on Instagram at this exactly the same name. Or you can go and follow Darren on Twitter and Instagram at the Guttridge. You can go and follow the site under these name at Fowlent, that's F-O-U-L-E-N-T, on Twitter, on Facebook and on Instagram. But of course, you can go and find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and wherever you receive your RSS feeds under these name Fowlent Podcasts. Coming up, Darren... It's the big one. It is. Um, so, if you haven't already listened, we have a Comic Con 2019 recap podcast out where we talk um, a lot about a lot of things, but mainly the uh, phase four of the MCU. And on top of that, you may have already heard our uh, uh, pitch from about a year ago. Something like that. It was a while ago where we it was pitched... not before that. It was before um, Infinity War. Because it was. We pitched what we would like to see from a uh, phase four of um, the MCU. It's very redundant now. Um, so, now we're going to pitch our movie from Phase 4 in depth give it the full treatment um, and that is what's going to be coming up next alongside reviews we're hoping to get it for Toy Story 4 Lion King and anything else that comes across our desks yeah and we, we don't was, have desks we don't have desks we have a table at best <laughs> hey. and even then it's just a corner of a table anyway I'm getting into bullshit no one cares about bye everybody bye, bye.